0: You are listening to the Journal of Rheumatology's Editor's Picks with Dr. Earl Silverman, Editor in Chief. Hello again. This is Earl Silverman, Editor in Chief of the Journal of Rheumatology. Welcome you to the December 2020 edition of Editor's Picks. I want to thank you to take for, take the time to listen to this podcast during the SARS. COVID 2 pandemic. Please stay healthy, and we can only hope that the vaccine trials will continue to look as promising as they are. The first article to highlight is entitled Circulating Small Non Coding RNA Biomarkers of Response to Triple Disease Modifying Anti Rheumatic Drug Therapy in White Women with Early Rheumatoid Arthritis and is by Forrest and colleagues. Circulating extracellular small non-coding RNAs or SNCRNAs, have shown some promise as biomarkers in rheumatic diseases as they are abundant, stable and may provide some information on the pathogenesis of diseases. The aim of this study was to determine if small node coding RNAs could be used as serum biomarkers that predict response to triple disease-modifying anti-rheumatic drugs in patients with early rheumatoid arthritis. The authors examined 42 patients with early RA who were treated with triple DMARD therapy and who were entered into a treat-to-target management protocol. RNA was isolated from 42 archived serum samples from these 42 patients, which had been collected prior to the commencement of the triple DMARD therapy. Differential expression analysis was performed, and they compared the 24 responders to the 18 non-responders. They found that the pre-treatment levels of four small circulating RNAs were significantly increased in non-responders as compared to responders, and one was significantly increased in responders. Authors concluded that the pre-treatment levels are specific small non-coding RNAs might facilitate identification of patients more likely to respond to triple DMARD therapy. As this was first, not the, f- the first article to examine the role of these RNAs and predicted disease response to therapies, Please read the article to see how the work of these authors compared to previous studies examining the role of these RNAs in response to other therapies in patients with RA and what errors can be made interpreting the results of CERM biomarker studies. The second article to highlight is entitled "Serum MicroRNA Signature, as a diagnostic and therapeutic marker in patients with psoriatic arthritis, and is by Wade and colleagues. This article examines circulating levels of another small circulating non-coding RNA, but in this case they are microRNAs or miRNAs, and they were looked at in patients with psoriatic arthritis. MIRNAs are post-transcriptional regulators of their target gene and may be important in the development of autoimmunity. In addition, they have been proposed in other studies to be biomarkers of response to therapy. In this study, the investigators examined MIRNA levels in patients with PSA and determined if they could identify a serum miRNA signature that identified responders as compared to non-responders to therapy. They collected serum samples from 20 healthy controls and 31 PSA patients. These 31 patients were classified as moderate to good responders or non-responders to therapy. In order to examine the circula- circulating mRNA level in the serum from healthy controls and PSA patients, they focused on a miRNA panel that was analyzed using what is called a FirePlex assay. And then, following this, they examined these expression in responders versus non-responders, and the ULR response criteria was used. From a panel of 68 miRNAs, the investigators identified six that had been previously known to be associated with immune dysfunction. These six were significantly higher in PSA patients as compared to healthy controls. Then when they compared these six miRNA levels, in patients they found that five of the six were higher in patients who responded to therapy the authors review in the discussion the potential importance of these findings regarding both therapeutic and pathogenic implications and i suggest that this may be a benefit to any clinicians interesting how new novel biomarkers may change how we predict response to therapies. Next article to highlight is entitled Utility of the Brief Illness Perception Questionnaire to Monitor Patient Beliefs in Systemic Vasculitis, as by Schwartz and colleagues. We are now changing our focus from looking at biomarkers to assessing the validity and clinical utility of the brief illness perception questionnaire to measure illness perceptions in patients with multiple different forms of vasculitis. In total, 196 patients were studied. 47 had GCA, 47 had Takayasu's arteritis, 46 had ANCA-associated vasculitis, and 56 had relapsing polychondritis. These patients were recruited into a prospective observational cohort, and a total of 454 visits were evaluated. Patients completed the brief illness perception questionnaire, the multidimensional fatigue inventory, the SF-36, and a patient global assessment at each study visit. In addition, physicians completed a physician global assessment. Illness perceptions as assessed by the brief illness perception questionnaire were then compared to responses from the full-length revised illness perception questionnaire and to other clinical measures. Illness perception differed by the type of vasculitis with the highest perceived psychological burden of disease in patients with relapsing polychondritis. The brief illness perception questionnaire was significantly associated with all other patient-reported outcomes, but did not correlate with the physician global assessment. Changes in the multidimensional fatigue inventory and the brief illness perception questionnaires were significantly correlated over time. The authors concluded that the brief illness perception questionnaire was an accurate and valid assessment tool to measure and monitor illness perceptions in patients with different forms of vasculitis. The authors then review the potential use of the Brief Illness Perception Questionnaire as pertains to future trials and clinical assessment of patients with a variety of vasculitis. Next article I'd like to highlight is entitled Identifying Research Priorities Among Patients and Families of Children with Rheumatic Diseases Living in the United States and is by Correll and colleagues. Entrance into clinical trials has always been a concern for all studies in pediatric rheumatology. The aim of this study was to determine what types of studies patients and their parents felt were important with the goal to improve the quality and participation in pediatric rheumatology research in order to do this. Investigators conducted web-based surveys and focus groups of patients and caregivers of children with juvenile myositis, juvenile arthritis, and childhood-onset systemic lupus erythematosus. In total, there were 365 patients with juvenile myositis, 44 with juvenile idiopathic arthritis, and 32 with childhood-onset systemic lupus erythematosus. The top research priority for patients with juvenile myositis was in finding new treatments. Well, for patients with JIA and cSLE, it was understanding genetic and environmental etiologies. All disease groups prioritize research things about medication side effects, disease flare, and disease etiology. Hopefully, this work will lead to investigators listening to patient priorities to research and to greater participation in future studies. The last article to highlight today is entitled Five-Year Evolution Patterns of Physical Activity and Sedentary Behavior in Patients with Lower Limb Osteoarthritis and Their Social Demographic Correlates and is by Batar and colleagues. The investigators performed the study to identify trajectories of each of the physical activity components, which included the frequency, duration, intensity, and type of physical activity, as well as the trajectory of screen based sedentary behavior in patients with hip and or knee arthritis. The second aim was to identify baseline predictors of each trajectory. 878 patients participated in this study with a five-year follow-up of physical activity and screen-based sedentary behavior were measured by the modifiable activity questionnaire. The investigators were able to identify two groups of trajectories for each of the individual components of physical activity, and three for screen-based behavior. The authors identified different social, demographic, and clinical predictors of the trajectories between physical activity components that were mainly associated with physical activity, frequency, and the type. However, they were unable to identify baseline clinical characteristics that were associated with screen-based sedentary behavior. This article will be of interest to all of the readership who are interested in physical activity and sedentary behavior in their patients with osteoarthritis. I want to thank you for listening to this podcast and encourage you to read not only my highlighted articles, but all articles in the December 2020 edition of the Journal of Rheumatology, either in the print edition or the online edition, which is available at www.jroom.com. Please watch for my interviews with the senior author of selected COVID-19 articles, which will be available on our website and on YouTube. If you have any questions or comments on these highlighted articles or any article in the Journal of Rheumatology, please send them to manuscripts at jroom.com. Please listen next month to the January edition of Editors Highlights, where I will introduce a new feature. Specifically, I will interview one of the authors of one of the highlighted articles. Please stay healthy in these very trying times and a happy holidays into a good year for all. Thank you.